It's the weird, it's the wacky, it's the wild. This is Out of Bounds here on Know Your News Network. How about two episodes in less than a week's span? How you liking that? Me, O'Brien, John Alba here right on Know Your News with another edition of Out of Bounds. What's going on, Mia? It's been a, a whirlwind today already, I can see. Yes, a whirlwind of a day. It's a whirlwind of the past five days. Put it this way, John. Last time we spoke, I was eating my crockpot meatballs, and now I'm probably going to have the leftovers of those. That's how you know that we have had two episodes in less than a week. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the sports world, so happy to make it two episodes in five days. Yeah, we got it. I was worried at first, honestly, when I saw it. I was like, okay, we're into a Thursday, we're into a Monday. It's going to be a lot to try to fit into this but thankfully crossover season two yeah, words this weekend was locked and loaded i mean even today alone was locked and loaded with news especially uh, out of one industry in particular but before we get to that i want to remind you guys we love audience engagement here you can get involved with the show by leaving that super chat kynchat.com that's uh, the best way to get your name on air or you could just simply uh, tag us over in the YouTube Super Chats. Just leave one there. We'll read it on there, and we will rock and roll. Get your comment. Part of this show, Mia. Oh, boy. I, I say we waste no more time. We got our opening toast, as we always do. I want to give you the opportunity to tee us up here. What you got there in that koozie? Uh, in this koozie, uh, I realized after I put the koozie on, I was very concerned. It is a sour from Duclaw Brewing in Baltimore, Maryland. I have never been there. But our good mutual friend, Andrew Badillo, brought them to my house. Oh. And they are I'm a big sour gal. And so here we are. It's been quite a day. I would and definitely so describe you as sour as opposed to Oh, sour. yeah, no. definitely. Not nowhere near. Trent Balky can empathize with that as well, um, Jaguars general manager. Um, yes, definitely on the sour side of things. Um, but you know what? That's the way life life should be sometimes. It, you know, it should make you make you crack a smile, whether you intended to or not. So uh, in the spirit of smiling through it, whether it's another Jaguars 40 burger loss or the impending possibility of Aaron Judge leaving the New York Yankees and not the New York media market, as uh, I know you're going to get into here in just a little bit. Cheers to another Monday on Wonderful Know Your News on Out of Bounds. We love a little J-Mo. Mm. Boy, do we. <laughs> Needed that. Okay, yeah. So the options were taking Advil after uh, finishing up my uh, my basketball shoot earlier or um, have a nice well, drink well, with you, John drink. Alba. Well, and you right. know I will always, always pick a drink with you. Well, rumor has it someone uh, new to the New York market is going to be able to afford plenty of beverages around town, isn't that? Are you talking about Kate Upton? Uh, well, yeah, Kate Upton's yeah, one yeah. of them. Well, also Justin Verlander, but mo uh, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie, John. When Justin, Justin Verlander signed a mega two-year $86 million deal with the Mets this morning after Jacob DeBrom left for the lowly Texas Rangers. Um, funny enough, I found out because so many people in my group messages were all texting me saying, Kate Upton is going to be wearing a lot of Mets gear now. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yes, no, it's because her boo, Justin Verlander, is joining the Metropolitans. Uh, John, these high contracts. Holy are, moly, huh? It's just, you know, it, it's, yeah, the, these crazy prices on contracts. Moreover, I mean, like, so this is twofold, twofold. So let's sure. talk about the Verlander deal. This is a sure. two-year, $86 million deal for a guy who- The best option for a third. Right, with an option for a third. Justin Verlander is the ripe old age of um, 39 years old. Um, that that's That's the interesting part to me. I actually am kind of proud of the Mets for this deal because so often we see, you know, guys that are 34 and want seven or eight 
year deals. And it's like, well, we, we saw with Albert Pujols firsthand the danger of signing these long-term deals. So if anything, I'm kind of proud of the Mets in that they said, all right, probably not going to sign him to a 10-year deal at 39. Um, so proud of them for that. But is he really worth almost $43 million per year? Uh, th- these whole AAVs are just skyrocketing now and these deals like what we saw last year with max scherzer what we saw here with justin verlander we saw a few years ago with trevor bauer with the dodgers these are changing sports this was not a concept that we saw happening in sports particularly baseball until the last few years and now i think this is going to be the way for older guys who still have something left in the tank to get paid even younger guys are going to start and maybe they're coming off a contract year where they didn't have quite as good of a year as they wanted to, but they still had a good year. So they'll take a two year deal worth $25 million. Anthony Rizzo, even to an extent, he's not a younger guy, but I would put, put him in that category. Yeah. To a degree, to a degree. I mean, I think he got a fair deal for what the market was going to dictate, but like even last year we saw it with Carlos Correa. He, he did a two year deal with one of them being an option where they just paid him a whole lot of money. Did the Minnesota twins right up front. And it was, okay, let's see what we can do. So now Justin Verlander comes off this amazing run in Houston where he revitalized his career, entirely revitalized his career. And that includes coming off Tommy John surgery just a couple years ago. He knocks on Papa Cohen's door, says, brother, I still want to go. You know my buddy Max you got there? We used to pitch together back in – uh, Detroit, I think the two of us can pair up here. And as we saw, Jacob DeGrom left for the Rangers, and uh, they could be really good soon, the Texas Rangers. But I just think that Justin They paid Ver- enough money to their they entire did. roster. They better just, be. Justin Verlander realized that this is the way that the baseball world is trending. And as a result, he hopped on it. And yes, Kate Upton's going to get that New York glitz. That's what everyone's going to be looking forward to. She'll be up front and center, right behind home plate during his starts at City Field. Are the you Mets- suggesting that there's a little bit more glitz and glam to New York than there is Houston, Texas, John? Uh, just a little bit. But, I mean, and look, that the Mets are like, yeah, when they signed Justin Verlander today, they said, you know what, this is a package deal. We know what we're getting with this. This is marketing 101. We got something to roll with here. And not only that, Mia, but I think we can make a declaration. The New York Mets are no longer the New York Mets. You know who the New York Mets are, John? The New York Yankees. Yes, you took the joke. No, you stole the punchline. Yes, yes, that's who they are. That is who they are. Can you imagine if there was Twitter circle like 2004 when George Steinbrenner was throwing all that money at Carl Pavano? Yeah. Do you think George would have been a tweeter? Oh, George would have been a Trumpian tweeter unlike any other. This might be the best segment we've ever done on this show on Out of Bounds. I mean, so like, so straight Trumpian tweeter, like he's, but is he like Steve where Steve Cohen literally like is filling us in on what's going on behind the scenes? absolutely not. George is just tweeting his thoughts or is he just, is he tweeting or is he tweeting like, have you seen Jim Irsay's tweets? I mean, I've seen those, but I think he's, I think George Steinbrenner is probably tweeting is he a gift guy? I think, no, I think he's tweeting decisions as they're made in his head. And rather than being cleared up and down the ladder. But I think we can definitively say that 
the Mets have shed the skin of being the New York Mets. Now, they have to execute on the field. And as we saw, they won 100-plus games this year, and, and they didn't make it out of the wild card round. So there's going to be that. But when you steal the headlines in New York from the Bronx Bombers consistently now, two off seasons in a row, and in my opinion, I think they have an opportunity to steal that furthermore with Trey Turner signing an 11-year, $300 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, the New York Mets arch rival. Who just made a World Series. Who just made a World Series. I think it's entirely possible that the New York Mets get themselves in on the Aaron Judge stakes, whether it's to drive up the price or to make a legitimate run on him. And all of a sudden, Mia, we got the New York Mets not only owning the New York Yankees in the tabloids, but they're also trolling them on the side. Is the salary cap real? Is it a myth? Does no, it exist? No salary cap in baseball. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I know. And that's and that's luxury. Is a luxury tax real? The luxury, luxury tax, tax threshold, but but that's not. Here, I want to make this clear. I'm going to look into the eyes of every person who's watching this. And again, you can leave a super chat if you'd like to to in, engage with me here. This is a very important thing that I want you to remember as a consumer of sport, especially if you're a baseball fan. How about this? Right? Players make millions. Owners make billions. If they can afford to own a baseball team, they can afford to pay players. In baseball, there is no salary cap. The market is entirely dictated by what is out there. If there is a lot of talent, it will be driven up. If there is not a lot of talent, it will fall down. Your favorite team can afford to pay to bring a superstar in to play for them. There are no restrictions other than the ones that are self-imposed. So when you sit back and you hear your team owner or team general manager say, uh, it's just a little bit out of our price point, that is bonafide BS. Because baseball is America's pastime. And in America's pastime, we believe in the free market. No salary cap, all BS. Your favorite team can afford to pay for your favorite player. There's also no crying in baseball. Well, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of people crying if you see some of your favorite players bouncing teams because your owners just don't want to pay for them. And and this is where we see that mentality shift with a franchise that has been a laughing stock like the New York Mets where they lost Jacob DeGrom, and normally it would be throw your hands up in the air. Here's another line of historic pitchers that left the Mets, Nolan Ryan, Doc Gooden, David Cohn, all these great pitchers leave. But guess what? They hung back in there, and they took a risk, a short-term, essentially, in my opinion, uh, a low-risk, high-ceiling reward for Justin Verlander, who just won a World Series and won a Cy Young and looks like he's as elite as he's ever been. What did the Yankees what did the Yankees do today, John? They re-signed Brian Cashman. Congratulations. You re-signed your general manager. Is there a trend between the team I cover in Jacksonville and my favorite sports team of all time? In the end, there will be nothing left but the cockroaches, Trent Balky, and Brian Cashman. I just don't understand. I give Brian Cashman credit, though, similar to um, Coach Cal or Coach K when they reinvented themselves with one and done, and then they reinvented themselves for NIL for the short stint that Coach K was coaching during it. I give Brian Cashman a lot of credit. Since 1993, he has reinvented himself time after time after time. I just don't know if he's got another life in him. 
And by life, I mean like that cat has nine lives and I think he's used eight of them. Here is the deal. Again, this market is going to close fast. Trey Turner's $300 million deal on 11 years is going to dictate how a lot of other guys are paid this offseason. So now, if you're a team like the Yankees or if you're a team like the Dodgers, if you're a team like the Giants who say they're willing to spend big this offseason, we're in the winter meetings right now. That clock is ticking. It's going down because the market is just being driven up. We've seen historic contracts given out. Garrett Cole makes $36 million a year, and he is the third highest paid pitcher in New York as of today. Once a Yankee, always a Yankee, though. That's what Garrett Cole taught me. How can you not be me. romantic about baseball is my question to you. John is so excited that we're leading off the show, literally batting lead off with nothing but baseball to begin. Don't and- worry, folks. We're going to get to America's pastime, the real pastime. I'm just uh, kidding. America's right. favorite sport so- soon well, enough. I'm very excited to talk about this one because a few weeks ago, Jordan Katz and I talked on the show about the Hall of Fame. I'm still not sure if anyone's going to get inducted and elected by the Writers Association, but we did get one induction that fans of 90s baseball are so excited about. That is, of course, the crime dog Fred McGriff getting in on the Modern Era Committee vote. And, of course, that immediately brought the Internet back to Meme City. And it reminded us of these great commercials from the late 90s, the early 90s, the mid-90s, the early 2000s. Of course, I'm talking about Tom Amansky's uh baseball commercials that you may recall these this seeing this picture might just immediately pop this nostalgia back into your head this commercial talking about back to back to back aau champions filmed in orlando florida nonetheless uh this commercial was it why world of disney it was not uh sad this commercial aired more than ten thousand times and it became sports television lore because if it was 6 45 in the morning you're getting ready for work you're getting ready for school in the year 2002 even though this was clearly filmed 10 years after the year 1992 it would still air and it became known for that patent blue cap that fred mcgriff threw on as a favor to his friend baseball instructor tom amansky and now the internet says mia he shouldn't go in as a san diego padre he shouldn't go in wearing an Atlanta Brave cap. He shouldn't even go in wearing a Tampa Bay Devil Ray cap. No, he should go in wearing a Tom Amansky blue cap on his Cooperstown insignia. What say you, Mia? I mean, are there any, I'm trying to think, Tampa Bay Devil Rays in the Hall of Fame, like with the old Wait, school. Bogs, but he's not in a, he's not in a, a Red Sox uniform, isn't he? There, there's nobody in a Rays cap. Right. I mean, the Rays cap from back in the day, meh. But the Rays jersey, I understand it's, you know, you only see the cap. But the Rays jerseys, the OG jerseys. Are you nostalgic for the Devil Rays? I am very nostalgic because I loved the uh, the chroma key insignia where it said Devil Rays. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that color scheme. It's a, it's a shame they got rid of it. Um, no, I mean, in terms of Fred McGriff, like, I don't think of him as a devil ray. I'm not really sure I think of him in, in the uh, commercial, quite frankly, either. Interesting. So, yeah, no, I mean, personally, I mean, when I saw that he got voted in today, I was like, dang, he wasn't in already. Um, I mean, that, I think that that speaks really to ju- just how difficult it is to get in 
by the Baseball Writers Association. I think that's a larger discussion. Uh, did you know he was born in Tampa? Maybe he should be a Tampa. Yeah, well, he lives yeah. in Tampa. Uh, right. And now, and he was born there too, which I didn't realize. He, so maybe. He, Baseball Writers Association of America is very controversial in how they've gone about these inductions and elections. And Fred McGriff was one of those guys that got looked over for many years. And he was unanimously conducted by the modern era committee here, which is made up of former players, executives. Uh, they firmly put their foot down against Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, yeah, Sammy that's, Sosa, yeah. and Roger Clemens on this committee vote. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. Those guys, if, if this trend holds, they're just never going to get in until the boomers die off. Yes, indeed. That's, that's well, going to be the, the nature boomers, of it. The boomers aren't super involved. These are, these are cohorts that played with them that are saying, no, you're not getting in. So, I think that is a pretty significant telltale sign of that. But, uh, man, listen, McGriff ain't going in with this hat, but I'm, I'm all about it. I have so much nostalgia for these ads. That is like my height as a sports fan watching SportsCenter every day uh, as a teenager and seeing these Tom Amansky ads that were so, so overplayed. I mean, this ad literally aired more than 10,000 times, which is just crazy and uh, go go on youtube if you don't remember what we're talking about here just search tom amansky e-m-a-n-s-k-i and i've got i've got a good little tidbit here before we move on mia uh when i was in orlando as a sportscaster i spent three years trying to track down tom amansky because i wanted to do a story i had fred mcgriff's cooperation he was in on this he was ready to do it and i wanted to do a story revisiting the oral history of these commercials because they became such sports fan lore and i had it all planned out i i even had a hookup where i I had like an old 90s tv that i was going to put on a baseball field and superimpose stuff on i I was all i spent three years on this and on and tom mansky lives in the great orlando area and unfortunately uh, we were not able to get a return from him, but uh, I hold on to hope that one day. One day. How old is he now? Uh, he's in his 70s. So. Okay. Eh, we got some time. We got some, not, God willing, we got some time. Uh, here's a fun fact for you. Fred McGriff and what other player are the only two players to hit at least 30 home runs in one season for five different teams? McGriff did it three times with the Blue Jays. That's why I would probably put him in as a Blue Jay. San Diego twice, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and the Cubs once each. Who is the other player? Gary Sheffield? Yes, it is. Okay. Another guy who's kind of on the fringe of that era yeah, that, you know, people are like, ah. accusations, yeah. somebody asked me the other day, they were like, as a kid growing up, like, you know, your baseball swing, like, even if you're just playing in the backyard, who did you emulate after? And I said, my dad always, which of course you'll laugh because you know, my passion for this man, my dad actually taught me to, you know, really model a rod swing as he felt it was one of the more pure, like yeah, athletic cool. fluid okay. swings in the game. I wanted to swing like Gary Sheffield. Just want to For wave, obvious reasons, wave the bat back and forth. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say Sheffield. Sheffield is yeah, probably this is, this is a great screen grab, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> they're very similar players, Gary Sheffield and Fred McGriff. But I'm happy for Fred McGriff, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens. He's he's now enshrined in baseball immortality. A man, though, that will likely not be enshrined in football immortality. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Mia. To the National Football League we go. The former number one overall pick released by the Panthers this morning. Uh, reports surfacing that Baker Mayfield asked for his release following Carolina's bye week um, because he is hopeful that the San Francisco 49ers, on the heels of Jimmy Garoppolo's season-ending injury, will sign him or claim him or somehow bring him in to start over Brock Purdy. Uh, John, should teams finally learn where there's smoke, there is usually a fire, Baker Mayfield, not 
an NFL starting quarterback. I, I very much don't believe Baker Mayfield is an NFL starting quarterback, but sports teams, they love this stuff. They, they love to feed into these narratives. Oh, well, you know, he's the number one. It, it's not quite the level of Johnny Manziel, but it's not super far off, in my opinion where Baker Mayfield had all this hype. Oh, look at his, he's pure. He's, he's everything you'd want in a quarterback. Former walk on. He's got fire. He's got spunk. That's what you want. Well, it turns out none of that stuff translates to the professional level for Baker Mayfield. And now, yeah, it sucks. What happened to the 49ers? It really looked like they got things together. They go all in on Christian McCaffrey, Baker Mayfield's former teammate there in Carolina brief briefly former teammate have you seen the the gif or not the gif the memes that are circulating because I know you're a big office fan John um of Christian McCaffrey when Baker Mayfield walks into the locker room and it's the picture of Michael Scott with Toby no yeah I don't I don't foresee Baker Mayfield waltzing in becoming the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers could they claim him sure uh they, they certainly could and and would it be a bad idea to give him a shot as a backup? Probably not. But all things considered, I think teams need to take this as a lesson that when there is smoke, especially in the NFL with draft picks, there is usually fire. How many guys, Mia, have proven critics wrong about assumptions like this? Very few. Very few. And unfortunately, Baker Mayfield's going to carry that for the rest of his career here. Two things. One, um, I understand, and my co-host on XL Primetime on 1010 XL reminded me of this. I understand that, yes, defenses are going to figure out the rookie Brock Purdy, formerly Mr. Irrelevant, the third-string quarterback for the 49ers, who was forced into duty when Jimmy Garoppolo suffered that season-ending foot injury. Um but Brock Purdy still led them to a win. That that so mm-hmm. we're gonna give Brock Purdy the pride of Iowa State that. But number two, Kyle Shanahan's offense is extremely quarterback friendly. And so that's why I respect the fact that, you know, Baker Mayfield thinks he can just walk right in and maybe be a potential answer for them. They like Purdy. Before Jimmy Garoppolo decided to come back, slash the team decided to bring him back in light of Trey Lance's season ending injury. Brock Purdy was going to be the backup regardless for the 49ers. And so I think they're going to ride with him. Um, he, listen, he won double-digit games twice at Iowa State. He led him to a Fiesta Bowl. Um, I think he's a decent player. He's not very, you know, he's thick. Like my mom texted me and she was like, how tall are you? I'm like, he's like 6'2", 6'3". So he's not super tall, but he's thick. Um, not like super, super athletic, but he can run more than Jimmy G can. Um, he can run more than Baker Mayfield can in recent years, at least. So I think they're going to roll with him. But I think the bigger question here, John, the Carolina Panthers will be selecting a quarterback in the first round of this year's NFL yep. draft. But I'm not sure we have ever seen a run quite like the Carolina Panthers refusing after Cam Newton just, you know, dissolved into thin air refusing to draft a quarterback, maybe the Denver Broncos, and then they traded for Russell Wilson, and that's blown up in their face. But I honestly cannot say that we have ever seen anything quite like the Panthers' refusal to draft a quarterback. And quite frankly, if Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker win out, I mean, they may turn around and be like, well, man, do we really need this kid? Do we really need to draft a quarterback? Yes, you do. Like, it's a quarterback-driven league. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, if you have assets to move up and get one. But – as far as Baker is concerned, 
you you never root for a player to fail. You never root for that. But to me, it feels like it's probably has run out of opportunities here in the NFL to be a consistent starting quarterback. I think he's probably regulated as a career backup from this point. And I just I hope teams heed those. Listen, sometimes concerns are way overblown when it comes to draft stuff, right? You start hearing about players' hand sizes. You start hearing about their diets. That stuff, like, I don't get on board with that stuff for the most part. But when there's legitimate, hey, I don't know if this guy's got the maturity to be a leader in the NFL. I don't know if the skill set can be well-rounded enough that he can go out there and perform at a high level every single day as a starting quarterback. I think these teams need to start paying attention to that stuff and stop buying into that hype. Like, I just remember, I, I can't stop thinking about Manziel because remember how bad, even though the Cowboys at the time did not need a starting quarterback, they still had Tony Romo, how badly Jerry Jones wanted to take Johnny Manziel because he just looked at him and just loved him so much. And they're like, dude, don't do this. Don't do it. And he had to be like held back with a like restraining jacket from drafting this guy. I just think teams need to smarten up. And it sucks because they both won a Heisman Trophy. But I think that's a larger discussion of just because you're a good college quarterback doesn't always mean you're going to be a good NFL quarterback. And that's okay. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of the Cowboys. Speaking of the Cowboys. Oh, boy. This was a pillow fight of a game, huh? I was glad. I got to go to bed early. Like, it was funny. When it was 21-19, I was like, eh, do I go to bed? Do I not? Well, I'm, I waited another touchdown. And then I went to bed because, yikes. Yeah. Uh, okay, Colts. The AFC South, baby. Woo! The Cowboys scored 54 points against the Colts on Sunday in a 54-19 win, the fifth most in team history. Dallas outscored Indianapolis 33 to nothing in the fourth quarter, tied with the 1925 Cardinals for the largest margin in the final frame of an NFL game in history. Is what the Colts are doing right now, Mia, just insulting the intelligence of football fans? By employing Jeff Saturday or trotting out Matt, Matt Ryan? Saturday stuff, the trotting out Matt Ryan. Honestly, I thought their really offense looked working. way more functional last night than it did either of the two times that they played the Jags. And I was but in the building for both of them. Jeff Saturday after the fluke first week. It just seems like he's so in over his head here in game management. Yeah, when I heard uh, there was another instance of like, oh, they called down from the box and I went, oh boy, here we go. Did Jeff listen? What happened? Did they tell Jeff the right thing? Um, listen, like I'll tell you this, like talking to a lot of people in the profession, talking to coaches in the National Football League, agents, what have you, a lot of them were excited for the prospect of Jeff Saturday stepping into this role. And I know we've talked about that on this program before that it would be an example or an example of the fact that what does a head coach really do? Does a head coach have to be getting coffee for four years and then be a quality control assistant and then be an offensive position coach and then be an offensive coordinator and then spend 10 years being a genius there before they finally get a crack at it, unless they're somebody's friend and then they can cut the line a little bit. And this was the complete cutting of the line. But in reality, what is the head coach's job besides setting expectations, setting standards, motivating, and serving as the, the bad cop um, or, and the good cop at the same time? And so while I think Jeff Saturday has done that and it's been admirable what he's been able to do because the roster wasn't that good to begin with, um, I, I, yeah, I, 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 listen, the AFC South, baby, 
and all my Jags fans, because I know a, a shout out to our boy Gary, a couple of the others that retweet uh, Know Your News and they retweet out of bounds for us to make sure more people are watching, more eyeballs for us. The AFC South, in which both the Colts and the Jaguars that I cover at my day job play in, was 0-4 yesterday and outscored 156-57. to mm-hmm. So that is why to all the Jaguar fans that think that they're out of it, you're not, um, because this division is just awful. Um, the Houston Texans are presumably picking number one in the NFL draft. If the Colts, speaking of teams that need to take a quarterback and have just been putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole at the position for years, if the Colts don't take a quarterback, I mean, someone's going to need to uh, like arrest Jim Irsay at least for like, you know, I don't even know what, but something. Like, I love Jim, but Jim, man, come, come home, Jim. Come home. Like, you got to understand it's a quarterback-driven league, my man. And for what it's worth, the Tennessee Titans are still trotting out Ryan Tannehill and whatever juice he's got left in the tank. And that is why it's disappointing that the Jaguars are doing what they're doing because they're the only team that seems to have addressed the quarterback position in the division at this writing. So, so yeah, I, I, you know what? I, listen, the Colts, for me, the, Jim Irsay's team, they've always been a content factory, and they have not failed me this year. I just think that it's somewhat insulting to your fans who pay their hard-earned money when you experiment at the level and degree that the Colts are experimenting with this. I have no issue. I won't. I don't want to say I have no issue. I have less issue with giving a guy who's never been a coach a shot if you're doing it in the offseason and you're giving him a chance to actually form a bond with the players and the personnel and create your staff and all that. You mean like Urban Meyer? Sure, like Urban Meyer. It was there for the taking. I had to. But to do it mid-season and to hold someone over the fire like a rotisserie chicken at Boston Market and say roast baby, roast baby, roast baby, that doesn't service anybody. And when a team gets outscored 33 to nothing in the fourth quarter, it is insulting to your fans it is reflective of your coaching ability and game planning that doesn't happen to teams that are are a functioning entity in a league like the nfl these are the pros that's colts dc and former jaguars head coach gus bradley baby i'm just saying it goes three forever goes beyond gus bradley it's a it's a much bigger thing there and we'd love yeah I, I mean that's why at first when they did it i was like i mean ursa crazy which we already know the answer is yes um two did he ask peyton first he probably did and then three okay they're tanking for a quarterback it's one way to do it maybe it's they different, got, different maybe way. they got matt ryan or something and he a goes a lot of money there letters. who knows who's, All right. who's to say uh, if I'd love to hear some thoughts on this stuff with the Colts, because I really do believe it is, is insulting intelligence. Leave your super chats right now or go to KYNchat.com. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We'll read it all on air. Uh, at least the Cowboys got a win elsewhere. Mio O'Brien, we got a tie. Yep. Up by you and good old New Jersey, the giants and commanders tied at 20 yesterday in a critical NFC East game at MetLife stadium. Major playoff implications as both jockeying for position in the wild card race and, of course, trying to keep up with the Eagles and the Cowboys in the NFC East. But it ends in a tie as Graham Gano's would-be 58-yard go-ahead field goal falls short. John, why in the world 
Are we still having ties in the NFL? Why I, haven't we changed the I, overtime rule? I don't know. I we, is it we, because we, the World Cup's going on? No, we even they about, don't have ties. We talked about when it, it comes Thursday. to the knockout rounds. I should say we talked about it Thursday when it came to the NHL and adapting the shootout years ago. I don't know the shootout was the best solution, but it did get us away from having to see ties, which ties, in my opinion, for the viewing experience are not great. And the NFL, it, it seemed like for so many years we went without ties. There, there were so few ties. And then, if you remember, it was the Donovan McNabb game when he had the tie and he forgot that ties even happened in the NFL. And after that, ever since that Donovan McNabb game, all of a sudden it seems like every year we get one or two ties, maybe even more. It's it's so bizarre how that works out. And then they tried to change the overtime rules where, okay, if a team scores a field goal, well, then the other team has a chance to answer with a touchdown. It's there for the taking. What do NFL fans love? They love great offense, right? They love scene scoring. So open up your opportunity to see scoring. In college football, you know, we take it to the 25-yard line. Let's take it back to the 35-40 yard line, the pros. Okay. Start in enemy field territory and have to work up a drive. You and still each, have to each work team up. each team gets a possession. Each team gets a possession. Because that's a whole nother can of worms, too. Yeah. And 40 yards away is far enough where it makes it competitive. And you go back and forth and you can then make teams go for two if they have to, whatever it is. This is such a no brainer to me, Mia. What say you? Do uh, do you like how they make them go for two in college when you hit a certain number of overtimes? Um, Maybe they hit it too quickly, but I don't have an issue with it in general. Yeah. Because I I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you got to end the game. Right. You can't let it go on forever. Even though now kickers miss PATs all the time in the NFL. College kick. Well, I was going to say college kick. Well, I'm saying in the NFL. In players, the NFL, they do too. Every single week you have guys missing PATs ever since they right. moved back. Right. So but there's always a chance. There is always a chance. But how has this not been something that has changed yet? Because they were too focused on the possession rule after the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes playoff game a year ago in which Josh Allen never saw the football, uh, which is hilarious only because karma came around because Patrick Mahomes didn't see the football when he went to overtime against Tom Brady his first year as a starter and the Patriots went to the Super Bowl instead of the it's Chiefs. It's crazy because his dad played shortstop for the New York Mets. I don't know if you Did know. you also know that Tony Gonzalez was a basketball player? I did hear that. Yeah, uh, he also played for the Chiefs, so staying with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, that is why they, they were focused on the possession part of it. I think this is the next piece. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, but here's the thing. Like, then you go, I agree with your point of putting it at the 40 or the 50 or further than the 25-yard line of what they do in college, and I see some of our uh, commenters are saying the same thing because did you watch the TCU college game, uh, uh, Big 12 championship at all with TCU and K-State this past weekend? Like, the drama of a penalty kick shootout in soccer and the drama of a college overtime are very similar in my estimation, but at the same time, it, it's really, when you think about these big 12 offenses that were on the field on Saturday, like both were pretty, pretty much scoring at will. There was a little more defense than usual in the big 12. Um, but like, it, it still wasn't that much ground that they had to make up. I mean, it sucks that like they, that, uh, TCU came up literally this this short, and also they shouldn't have run it twice they on third and fourth down, but that's besides the point. 
I just feel that this is an antiquated system that the NFL is using. And you have examples where it generates excitement in college football. Move it back. Give each team a possession. Everyone's got a shot. And you have to actually work up a drive. And if you work up a drive, then you deserve to win. If you can't work up a drive, you deserve to lose. Make it a continuation of the previous four quarters. It doesn't have to be super, super stripped down like colleges. You're professional football players. Ultimately, though, I don't see this changing anytime soon. They got other things to worry about, just like the college football playoff committee. This is what we're looking at. We got number one, Georgia against number four, Ohio State, number two, Michigan. against number three, TCU, the Horned Frogs. Make it into the college football playoff. Not pictured there, Mia O'Brien. Alabama. Two-loss team. They find themselves on the outside looking in. And the college football playoff committee sends a firm message. Lose twice, you're probably not getting in. Uh, what do you think of that message sent there? I know all these Alabama fans just are besides themse- beside themselves. They can't believe it. But I think this is... a strong strong firm stance that the committee took especially as we head towards an expanded playoff in the years to come i wanted to i was just googling to double check and confirm it is the first time in the entire nine season history of the college football playoff that neither alabama nor little old clemson will mm-hmm. be playing for a national title and that's good for the that's good for the, the parody world that's good. i still so i love it i love it Alabama's a better team than Ohio State. They just are. Like you're like, and, and it's twofold. It's twofold. Um, and it's nothing. It, it's first of all, Ohio State played two ranked opponents during the season. Two. They played. They played two, and one's Michigan, and they're in the playoffs. They got so that's smoked, great. And they got smoked by Michigan. And they got smoked by them. So, so that's one. Um, and the other one is Penn State, who might be like the worst like Big Ten team to make the Rose Bowl like this decade. Um. I think they're going to get smoked by Utah. So that that's that's for starters. Alabama's two losses in comparison to getting smoked by Michigan were to a Tennessee team that I understand they got whipped by South they Carolina with, with Hendon Hooker. I understand that happened. But at the same time, if they had Hendon Hooker, I'm not sure their season goes. If he doesn't get hurt, I'm yeah, not sure their season goes sure. the way that they're, it went. They're top team. They're top team. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so And they got beat at the buzzer on a walk-off field goal to Tennessee. Then they got beat on a walk-off two-point conversion to LSU, who made the SEC championship and, yes, got routed by Georgia, but anyone was going to get routed by Georgia. I see some TCU fans in the comments. I mean, no offense. Like, that, that if that happens in the Natty, that ain't going to be pretty I'm, either. I'm all about TCU getting in. I think that's oh, great. Same. Listen, Max listen. Duggan is a warrior. We're, we're going to stick a pin in that because we're going to come back to that as well. Yeah. I- my point is, my point is, is that I'm happy TCU is in. TCU proved its worth. It lost one game this year, and it was in overtime in a conference championship game when, in reality, in my opinion, they Max Duggan probably crossed the line on that third down play, but that's besides the point. They're in. They're the third seed. Happy with that. Ohio State. Ohio State. Again, the- played two ranked opponents. Probably should have gotten knocked off by Maryland three weeks ago. 
because it sure looked like they might. Michigan looked like they might get knocked off by Illinois three weeks ago. And so instead, you have these two Big Ten teams, and I am a Big Ten homer between all of my ties of where I've lived throughout the course of my life. Um, and I'm the first one to tell you that they both, yes, Michigan is good, but they both haven't faced anybody besides each other. And I don't really know if that's like a good enough bar, whereas we know in the SEC you had Tennessee, who, yes, fizzled out. You had South Carolina, who was up and down. You had Mississippi State and Mike Leach, who could fire off at any moment. Ditto to Lane Kiffin and friends. But there was so much more parity in the SEC. And Alabama had to face all of them, for the most part. And so, losing twice at the buzzer versus getting routed by the sec- by the best team you've faced all year, and quite frankly, the only other team you've faced all year, for me, I actually would have put Alabama in. But once the committee made the distinction of Ohio State was seated fifth last week, there was no question once USC lost, this was the way the playoff was Yeah, yeah and it's not the worst. This is going to piss off Bama fans, but it's not the worst thing for the sport. It's it's a good thing for the sport to give people opportunities. And I know that's not going to be a super popular opinion. People say, well, they're, they're going to... Giving other teams a chance, like TCU, is a healthy yes. and good thing for college football. Couldn't agree more. And, but which fan base is more insufferable for you, John, Alabama or Ohio State? That's the million-dollar question. Probably Ohio State. But but Thank ultimately, you. though, like it, it matters because there will always be the detractors that say, oh, well, if a team like Cincinnati, I'm talking a few years ago, Cincinnati, last mm-hmm. year, Cincinnati, last year, yep. if they get in, well then, yeah, they're they're gonna get smoked. They're or, gonna get smoked. Yep. Or if a team like TCU gets in, oh well, they're 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 not used to hanging around the stage. They're gonna get smoked. Well, you got to give these teams an opportunity to prove you wrong. And if consistently year after year after year after year after year we see these teams getting smoked, well then maybe there is merit to that. But I'm not entirely sure that that's gonna be the case. Truth. Here's the other thing too, John. This is a country, a proper country. With flaws, but a country Boy, that loves the month of March, loves the bracket. And they love the upset. Loves the upset. So why aren't they on board with that for college football? It, it blows my mind. Same. It same. blows my mind. Mind numbing. I got and, into multiple and, arguments on my show about it last week and this week. I'm like, how can you root for St. Peter's in March, but then say that Tulane shouldn't be in the playoff in a 12-team system? Yeah. Any given day. and Or quite frankly, if this was a 12-team playoff this year, Alabama gets in as the five, and for all intents and purposes, they may run the table and win the whole thing, sure. and no one would complain because guess what? They would have had to have won three games to get yeah, there. They would have had to earn it. Absolutely. And I, I'll, I'll even give the committee credit on this because I'm sure they were tempted to to guarantee themselves Michigan versus Ohio State by doing a 2-3 matchup there. I'm sure that they were tempted to because let's be real. TV plays a huge element into all this. Yep. And they, they sucked it up big time because, listen, Alabama versus Michigan is a much bigger game than TCU versus Michigan is. Alabama versus Georgia is a much bigger game than Alabama versus Ohio State is. But they sucked it up, and they didn't give in. So I will give them credit where credit is due. Can I but, give you this one thing before yeah. we – I do want to hit two other things. Um, number one – 
if we were to get the first ever college football playoff meeting between Ohio State and Michigan, which we still, in theory, in theory we still happen. could. So that's number one. That it would be the national championship game. If we were to get that as our national championship game in the same calendar year as the first ever UNC Duke Final Four. God, I forgot. If I told you that a year ago. dream that is even that, that that was this year. Oh, man. How much money yeah. would you have had to place on that bet? That's, in January of this past year. That's hefty. It's crazy, right? Uh, real quick, though, because as we're talking about this and parody and letting the little guy have an opportunity, very happy with the news as we were beginning our show on Out of Bounds here tonight, which, of course, you can get in on the Super Chats uh, by hitting the comments and joining in the conversation. We'd love to see it. Um, very happy that Max Duggan gets the invite to New York for what it's worth. And beyond the fact that I am friends with him, very happy Setson Bennett also gets a nod. Um, I understand he's not the best player on his own team. I want to pull up the stat that my co-host on my other show, Matt Hayes, Saturday Down South, go check it out, um, posted with regards to Stetson Bennett and how Stetson Bennett performs in the biggest of big games. Because for whatever the reason, I understand he's a great little, oh, like, oh my God, Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, like he's a former walk-on and, this, that, and the other. But you know what? At the end of the day, the dude shows up in big games. Okay, Matt, you tweet way too much. I keep scrolling. Um, the dude has showed up, and here it is. You ready? Versus Oregon, who was then a top 10 team. Tennessee, top 10 team. LSU, top 10 team. 839 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, two rushing, zero interceptions. So very happy that of the four quarterbacks, the four finalists for the Heisman Trophy, two of them are the little underdog guys. But again, we don't want Tulane in the playoff. Sad. UCF nearly had Tulane this week. I know. Boom. Happens. Happens. Speaking um, of boom. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is the best. This is my favorite story from the sports weekend, and it happened on Monday morning, John. Um, so the bowl pairings came out yesterday, with a couple being leaked earlier this weekend, including the fact that after being canceled for two straight years due to COVID, let's hope it doesn't get canceled again, the Fenway Bowl will feature Cincinnati and Louisville. Then the news this morning that Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield is taking the vacant head coaching position at Cincinnati. John, how awkward is this? Wait, wait, wait. Actually, wait, wait. Before you answer that, I want to give you a fun fact that one of our listeners at 1010 sent in today on our text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Um, in the Fenway Bowl, and I know that and I know you know this because you've covered football games at Fenway, the two opposing teams share a sideline. Yes, they do. They do. Um this is wild that this happened just coincidentally. Now, it is worth noting he did say tonight that he's recusing himself from the game. He will not be involved in the game in any capacity. But he's got to be there in a booth. Come on now. He's not going to be there at not, all. He said that he like probably plans from watching at home. But I mean, who's he rooting for? Who's he pulling for? The guys he went to war with all season long or the guys going to war with next year? Well, the guys that he went to war with all season long, which, mind you, um, after week five of this season, it was widely reported that if Louisville lost this weekend, Scott Satterfield would be fired. Oh, wait, Scott Satterfield never lost from that moment on until the final week of the regular season. Yeah, it's definitely awkward. And look, He struck iron while it was hot. I don't blame him. That Cincinnati job has launched a lot of careers. Mm -hmm. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. As we talk about the college football playoff, 
for everyone who was writing them off last year, Desmond Ritter playing in the NFL. Sauce mm-hmm. Gardner, front runner for defensive rookie of the year. I'm talking about from a coaching perspective. Right. 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 They get good players at Cincinnati and they yeah. play well. And now guess what? They're going to the Big 12. Yeah. So this is certainly a job that is coveted. So makes natural sense that he makes this this jump here. But man, as opposed to being run out by the mob. Right. But man, like seeing your team that you coached to a great second half of the year facing the program that if your old team beats them, that kind of hampers you going into next season recruits, media storylines. Blame it on Luke Fickle brought the entire strength and conditioning staff to Wisconsin. Yeah. So that's what they'll do. It's a really awkward position that you find yourself in. I will say this. I hope all the players involved enjoy it. As you said, I did get a chance to cover college football at Fenway Park. And it was by far one of the coolest things that I've ever covered in my entire career. Fenway is an amazing venue for college football. The way they set it up in right field, headed down all the way to home plate. And you can watch the game from on top of the monster. If you're there, uh, it is it is a really spectacular venue, and I'm glad that we're going to be seeing this in a bowl game capacity. It's just I'm all about stretching the boundaries of what sports can be and how sports can look like. So I'm about that. It's awkward. There's no doubt about it, but he is recusing himself from it. Yeah. So. And I've covered games at uh, Yankee Stadium and the Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah, well, and think about that. My alma mater just played at Yankee Stadium, Ithaca and Cortland playing in the Cortica Jug this past month. Um, I I love it. I love that personally. I think, I mean, it'd be cool to see Fenway. And it's going to be cool because, John, this game, they came up with this bowl game and it still hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. I went there as part of the Frozen, uh, the not Frozen Fenway. I also covered Frozen Fenway, which is very cool. I went there as the Fenway Gridiron Series, it was, between good old UMaine and UMass. So that was a, a real nitty-gritty barn burner. But this this is a, a cool setup. I'm excited to see it visually pre, pre, presented. But, yeah, Satterfield rec- had to recuse. He had no choice. He had to recuse himself from this. He could not be involved in this game. Because what happens if he stays and coaches Louisville and they beat Cincinnati? Well, speaking of staying and coaching a bowl game, I don't know. I'm just saying. There's another guy who just took a new job that allegedly is going to be coaching in the Coach Soul Prime. Bowl. Going to be coaching in the Soul Bowl, and he is also uh, bringing his Louie to Colorado. Yeah, tell this, us more, John. This, this, this is a big get for Colorado. This is a program that 15 years ago was in dismay, and now they have the first Power Five program to hire three consecutive African American head coaches which is great for the game and something that a lot to be doing. Listen, Coach Prime Deion Sanders kind of changed the game for how FCS schools are presented. And uh, I, 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 well, okay, let me, let me say this. Let me say this about Deion Sanders real quick here, Mia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders came into college football and everyone was like, it's a gimmick. It's a bar stool video. It's this a TV guy, series. this guy is just all talk. He is going to use his moniker and his likeness to recruit players, and that's all it's going to be. It's going to be nothing more than that. Well, guess what? It worked, and it worked big. He also proved that he can coach. He's he's a good coach, and he can recruit. 
Like, it's, he like there's recruit. no tomorrow. He can recruit. He stole some of the top recruits in the country this past year. And now he carries over to a program like Colorado that's looking to rejuvenate and revitalize itself. It's going to be baptism by fire. But I, I guess my question to you is, does this start a trend where we see more Deion Sanders types getting positions like this with prominent Division One schools? I would say no, only because I think there's only one Deion Sanders. I, okay. I, I honestly, I like. I, can you? I mean, Dennis Rodman. Like, I like. I, I'm trying to think. Like, who else is Dion? Like, it's hard. I mean, the man played two professional sports at the same time. Has anyone else done that? Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. Okay. Oh yeah, Brian Jordan did it. Russell Wilson. Oh, okay. I'm shutting up now. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that Deion Sanders is a oh, once in a life. That guy was good too. Who was that? That Bo Jackson guy. Was oh yeah, he was pretty good. good. Yeah, well, you know, he's he was pretty good. He was pretty good. Um, but that's it. Like when you think of dudes that like have done, like he's a and like you add in all like to the list of the accomplishments, you add the personality that he carries. Also, the fact that he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't cuss, which is just wacky. And you wouldn't think after you watch some of these videos of his like press conferences, you're like, this dude's off his rocker. He's got nope. This is just who he is, and that's why I don't think there's going to be anybody else like him. Good for Colorado for taking a swing. That's why, as much as I joke about Urban Meyer and the Jaguars hiring him, they took a swing. And in a very different but similar way, that's what Colorado is doing. They're taking a swing. The beautiful thing with Dion is actually he's proven that he can coach in college, if you know, not at the Power 5 level, but he can coach in the collegiate FCS level, which is only a step below. So we'll give him that. And moreover, he comes with not only his son, who Nick Saban in Alabama wanted to play quarterback for them. So the kid's pretty good, and he's bringing him in to be the quarterback. He's going to bring half of that Jackson State team with him. He's already got everybody and their mother in the portal clamoring to join him. He's offering five stars like it's Oprah auctioning off cars on her show. Is there one coach that benefits more from NIL than Deion Sanders? No. I can't no. one. But here's the thing, too. Like, when Travis Hunter flipped from Florida State to Jackson State on national sign, early signing day, excuse me, a year ago, like, it, it was just, like, such a landmark moment yeah, beyond the fact that a top prospect was choosing an HBCU and an FCS school over a Power 5 school, and part of that was NIL-driven, but whatever. But a lot of it, he said, was part of why he wanted to go to Florida State was because of Dion. That was who he watched as a kid growing up. And now he had the opportunity to learn from Dion. And so that's what's crazy. And to bring this full circle with Jeff Saturday, like there's something to be said of They're two learning. totally different situations. Come on. Yeah, yes, because the NFL and college are different. But the point is. Oh, that, and one was midseason. But I'll, tell, yeah. I'll give you this. But I'll, Correct. But I'll give you this. The Detroit Lions. Just drop 40 on the Jaguars. Dan Campbell's staff. I think all but three members of that staff are former players. And I think that is a trend you're going to see at the collegiate sure. level. And you're going to see in the NFL level is more former players becoming, not necessarily the head coach, but becoming assistant coaches, becoming position coaches. I mean, Antoine Randall is the wide receivers coach in Detroit. You go down the Detroit Lions coaching staff, and it's like a who's who of who were pro bowlers in the early 2000s. Um, and so – I think you'll see more of that. I don't think you're going to see it at the collegiate level because I truly believe that Dion is one of a kind. I'm excited for Colorado because Kyle Whittingham obviously is established in Salt Lake City and he is always going to be lurking. He is the Kirk Ferentz of the Pac-12 and that's great. And Lincoln Riley is clearly building something at USC. If he could ever get a defense, that'd be great. Um, Oregon's Oregon. But other than that, 
you can compete in the Pac-12 pretty quickly. Lincoln Riley proved that this year. That he did, Mia. Uh, so no weekly wager this week because we are still waiting on the Aaron Judge uh, saga. Now, Aaron Judge, as we, we went We thought it would air, happen during the show, folks. Well, as we went on air, Aaron Judge was spotted at the Tampa Bay Bucks game tonight. So he is kept, he is taking in the Tampa Bay Bucks. The game. Rays don't have that money. Well, no. Well, keep in mind, the Yankees spring training. Oh, okay. All okay. I feel better now. This Aaron is the Judge. good vibes I need. Aaron, well, show. Aaron Judge lives in Tampa, so he, he does have residence in Tampa. Uh, Mike Evans wore an Aaron Judge jersey when he broke Roger Maris's record. So Aaron Judge is wearing a Mike Evans jersey tonight. I love that. Love that. So that is where we are on Judge Watch, which will be a central theme of the show until he signs. I have a feeling next week we'll be able to pay up that wager one way or the other. Anything else you'd like to add, promote here, Mia, as we wrap up on Out of Bounds? Mm, not that I can think of, although it was funny. Um, I feel like what was a bigger decision that we all knew was – well, we don't know what Aaron Judge's decision will be. I'll give him that. Um, Anthony Richardson going to the NFL, I feel like those are the two things that people kept telling me. By Wednesday, we will know. By Wednesday, we will know. Well, Anthony Richardson has declared for the NFL draft. So, yes. yes so, And everyone told me, including people in his camp, it would be by Wednesday. So if Aaron Judge is by Wednesday, please get me to Thursday so I can have some clarity in my sports world. That would be great. We will aim to give you clarity next week here on Out of Bounds, right on the Know Your News Network. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.